Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCready and Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind on My Money presented by Pinnacle Trust. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, it's just myself and Martin Palomo. You will all be very pleased to know that I think we have at least partially, if not fully solved, some of the audio issues that have been haunting us in a couple of recent episodes. So thank you to all of you for your patience. Uh, we have, uh, we've been working on it. We've had to put some, uh, put some money into it and some things, but uh, it's okay. We got it done, I think. It certainly sounds better on our end. Hopefully it will sound better on your end as well. Uh, we'll get to Martin in a moment. I'll get him to tell you about Pinnacle Trust, and then we're going to talk about it's tax season. It's uh, January. The holidays are over, and now the reality of, oh, my God, I've got three months to get all my tax stuff together and everything paid. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the SECURE Act. Martin's going to update us on that a little bit. We're going to talk about how the Tax Cut and Jobs Act might be impacting you Uh here in the next few months and then we'll talk about uh, the situation in Iran specifically how that may have been impacting or might impact the markets which is something that we're all watching each day as we look at our 401ks and our investments and our retirement plans and such so we'll get to all of that with martin in a minute first let me tell you i'm coming to you from the clark ford studios clark ford is in amory mississippi 662-257-1900 call that number ask for my good friend Corey clark Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours right to the bottom line. No hassle, no haggle. You get your quote, and the rest is completely up to you. But what I would suggest that you do is get into your Clark Ford. You'll love the product. You'll love the service after the sale. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy, and he'll prove that to you. 662-257-1900. And as I tell you, this podcast is presented by the fine people at Pinnacle Trust, Martin Palomo is part of those people at Pinnacle Trust. Martin, tell people what they get when they get Pinnacle Trust and how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely. Happy to be back on, Neil. And man, I am so happy. It feels like we have, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not jinxing us, but it feels like we've kind of slayed the dragon that was uh, that was plaguing us on our technical issues and our sound issues. Um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, as I've stated before, you know, Stacy. Stacy started Pinnacle, um, you know, more than 20 years ago with an idea to, you know, to serve the, the mass affluent and the high net worth families in Mississippi, you know, so that folks weren't having to, you know, go way out of, out of our region to get, you know, high quality advice that wasn't just the cookie cutter, you know, investment advice that, you know, a lot of people came to know from, from some of the other competing firms, um, you know, one of the things that, that we really want to do with folks is sit down and, and look at the whole picture. And, you know, as you, as you alluded to in the intro, you know, today we're going to talk a little bit about taxes. And really taxes are super, super important because, you know, investing is not just about what you make. It's about what you keep. 
you know, and uh, that's one of the strategies that we work with with our clients is, you know, hey, it's great if I make you, you know, 10, 20% in returns, but I do it in a really tax inefficient manner and you get bludgeoned with taxes and let's say you pay, you know, 50% out in taxes. I didn't make you 10, 20%. I made you five, 10%. So taxes are important. You know, it's one of the things that we look at uh, with our clients and, you know, and then setting up the plan, knowing exactly what it is that that folks need. Um, you know, I don't know if, if, if you guys remember, or our listeners remember, there was a commercial from, I think it was ING, uh, several years back. And it was kind of that, what is your number? You know, and people would be sitting on a park bench and it was orange and it had, oh, yeah. you know, a number over their head. Uh, and that was a great, great marketing tool because everybody's number is different, you know, and really it's not, it's not about a, you know, uh, how much you made during your lifetime is your number. It's really about how much you spend in retirement is what derives that number. So that's the other thing we try to do with folks is figure out what that number is. Um, you know, make sure that they have a dignified retirement. We're looking at the taxes, uh, as well. And then, you know, fortunately, Mississippi and the South and the Southeast generally tends to be, you know, a really benevolent group of people. Uh, and a lot of our clients, you know, give a lot of what they've made away, whether it's to their, you know, alma mater or a church or a charity that they really care a lot about. Um, you know, and that's, that's other strategies that we work with with clients is figuring out, you know, what's the most tax efficient way to, you know, to give away, um, you know, some of your assets or some of your income that you've that you're going to be making. And we can, we'll get into all of that, but I give away man, a tremendous amount of my money to ULM to, football. Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I thought you were about to say the IRS. I was like, dude, that's not a charity, man. That's theft. No, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they steal from me. And I'm, I, I have, I keep calling the authorities about the IRS. I'm like, Hey, these dudes but, keep stealing my money and no yeah, one but that's does the, anything. The, it's like, it's like calling the mob boss to complain about the mafioso, right? It's nothing's going to change. Yes. But anyway, I mean, I do. I give. I give a lot of my money to ULM football. Uh, I try to. What I try to do is give it to prospective student athletes so that they'll come play football there. It's one of the reasons we've become such a power over the years in college nice. football. Yeah. Um, nice. I'll just say this. I'll say this. A Louisiana <laughs> team won the national title the, the other night, and it won't be long before a different Louisiana team is winning all the national titles. So Monroe is going to be the next one. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, okay. this the the golden era on the Bayou is just around the corner i love it yeah i love it there's so many great things that came out of that game and we can talk about so many of the great meme moments and then and well and the game was a fun game to watch too and i'm grateful for that because you know what i didn't want was a a total blowout or lopsided either way and it was it was i thought it was a really good game yeah i, I thought it was i thought it was an entertaining game i didn't watch all of it i watched uh I watched the second half. Basically, I watched The Bachelor uh, in the first half, but because um, <laughs> I'm, I cannot believe you just said that. I, 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 I have no problem admitting it. I love the show. Um, oh man! But I, I was. I mean, and I know a lot of Ole Miss people get mad at me for saying this, but I'm. I was happy for LSU. I, I'm. I'm from Louisiana. I, I didn't grow up an LSU fan, but but um, but I certainly have family that that's LSU and and. Um, I have a lot of friends that went to LSU and that are big LSU fans, and I was happy for them. And yeah, so man, and I was happy for for Joe Burrow and sure and Coach O, man, because you know that's like that's the thing I want to show to my kids is like this guy, 
did his time. He backed up some really great quarterbacks at Ohio State. And then he realized, hey, I've got an opportunity that's going to fit my style, you know, and, and transfer to LSU. And, and, I mean, the season he had, the patience, the work ethic, uh, his personality type, I, I just – I think there's so many great – you know, you're gonna. We could look at him and with our youth and say, "Look at what this guy did. This is this is how I want you to, you know, to carry yourself and, and act." And you know, because he's he's not a showboater in that it was, you know, it's all about me. And you know, that's the one thing I really like about Coach O. I'm sorry we're going down this rabbit hole, Coach O. You know, every it seems like uh, someone's what after post game interviews, you know, he was always talking about the great state of Louisiana. He made it about something bigger than yeah. him and just LSU. I just thought that, I thought that was really cool. Well, I, I think I always am looking for examples that I can show my kids about, oh, yeah. uh, about, you know, Hey, if something doesn't work out the first time, it doesn't mean you're done forever. You just got to keep, got to keep pushing, yeah. got to keep trying. And that team had a couple of them in, in Burrow. And, and as you mentioned, Ed Orgeron and, um, you know, whether you like LSU or don't like LSU, those are great stories of, of pers- yeah. perseverance and, uh, and learning, yeah. learning from mistakes and, uh, and, and, and that, and, you know, overcoming adversity and all of those things. Cause look, I mean, not to turn this into a football podcast at all, but, uh, yeah, it's relevant though. You know, Ed Orgeron did a bad job at Ole Miss. He was, yeah. he was a bad coach at Ole Miss. He shouldn't, he shouldn't have gotten the job in the first place. And bottom line was he should never have been hired at the time that he was hired. He wasn't ready for it, but, uh, he had three embarrassingly awful seasons here and, um, he got fired. He deserved to be fired. There was absolutely no reason to justify keeping him for a, another year. And he, that's uh, that's humility. Anybody who's ever been fired, I've been fired. Anybody who's, anybody who's ever been fired knows it's it's humiliating. And uh, you spend a little time groveling in your own self pity and and uh, wallowing and and why me? And it wasn't fair. And and then at some point you have to pick yourself up and go, okay, next. What's next? What do I do yeah. next? And uh, Ed Orgeron had to wait a long time to uh, become a full-time head coach again. And, and when he got the opportunity, he absolutely has made the most of it. And today he's a national champion. He's the coach of the year. And and, and the same for Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, uh, you know, got beat out for a job. And then he got hurt. And then he, he, he was going to have to sit. And he, he went to transfer. He wanted to transfer to Nebraska. That was his dream. And, and uh, Nebraska said no. Yeah, and his look. And, and uh, forgive me for my lack of knowledge there. It was, was it his grandfather? Or did he have a legacy at Nebraska? Yeah, I believe uh, his father or grandfather, or maybe both, played there. And okay. uh, that's that's what he wanted to do. And, and Nebraska said, no, you can't help us. And so he had to go search for another place. And, and LSU gave him a, a lifeline. And, and um, you know, some, and it, hard. It, it, sometimes it just, that's you know, it's like you tell you, you tell your kids and stuff and you try to tell yourself even, you know, that sometimes it doesn't work out according to plan and you've got to adjust to the plan, you know, and, and, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the way life works. It's one of the reasons I think sports is, is such a good analogy for life is that you absolutely, can, you know, th- at the end of the day, the, the games don't really matter. I mean, I know, People don't. No, it's the it's it's the character that's built inside of the games and the lessons that you learn with. I mean, yeah, there's risk, but you're le- really you're learning lessons in a no risk environment, um, and they're real lessons because like, if you lose a game, it doesn't destroy your life, right? Or if you make a mistake on the field, 
it doesn't destroy your life for most of us. I mean, I guess maybe some at the professional level it it could, but for the majority. I mean, and, and Christopher and I had that whole conversation this year. You know, he's an underclassman, and soccer is his passion, and he's playing on his high school varsity squad. Um, and you know, he did not earn a a starting position, and you know, of course, he was a little bit bummed out. And I'm like, dude, you're you're an underclassman, man. You're you you have no reason to complain you need to be one grateful that you made the squad because he's on a, a very competitive high school team they've won I don't know how many state championships in the last 15 years I probably you know 14 out of 15 something like that's insane um, and I told him like dude you're you need to work hard uh, during training sessions let your coach to show your coaches your work ethic and that you've got the talent and what's going to happen is there's going to be an opportunity that you're going to get at game time and then when you get that opportunity you that's your that's your shot. You got to show up and show out. And man, that actually happened. Um, uh, it was like three four weeks ago at a game on the coast. One of the the players that was in the position that he plays, that was a starter and, a, and an upperclassman, got hurt and he got called up. And um, and dude, he went in and he showed out. And and man, he when we we were in Dallas playing these the Texas public school teams, which were a whole <clears throat> a whole different level. Um, you know, he started uh, all three games that we played. And I'm like, dude, that's why you shut your mouth and you work hard. Because if you would have complained and been, been entitled, you would have been sitting the bench for the entire year because no coach wants to hear a little entitled brat complain about how he's not playing. No, all you can do is keep pushing. And as, that's long, it. as long as you're getting opportunities in practice, those are your opportunities to show that you deserve time in a game. Yep. That's it. I yep, mean, that's true, man. You, you don't have a complaint unless you're not getting opportunities in practice. Then you have a then you then you have a complaint, especially sure. at, at a young age. You know, and I think that that translates into life as well, too, man. I mean, you just train, 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 train for whether it's your, you know, your profession. Um, you know, if it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, whether you're a an attorney, whether you're you know in business or whatever it is that you do, and you have a, a time where you have to be kind of an apprentice and you got to learn the skills. And dude, it would be crazy to think that. A brand new, you know, someone who's never done surgery before is not going to walk into a operating room and be like, "All right, give me the knives and let's let's cut this dude open and see what's inside." Like that's not how that's not how the world works. Um, and those are high risk environments. So, yeah, man, I know we kind of went off on this little rabbit hole, but man, I, I thought it was I, I'm totally on board with with uh, sports is phenomenal for a phenomenal teaching tool for well, for, not just for kids for for everybody. Okay, so let's talk some taxes. It's that time of year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. Let's it's go that, from, well, let's I mean, go it, from fun to not fun. A bit, but yeah, but it's just yeah, not fun uh, at all. No, no one enjoys taxes. I hate them. I get they they put me in a really, 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 for lack of well, crappy mood. Oh, let's go there. I'll go safe. They put me in a really crappy mood. I hate them. I'm I'm in the vast minority probably of people that think there's a solution to our some of our tax problems, and that's each individual on the in the country, no matter if you make a gazillion dollars or a hundred dollars should pay taxes and you should have to go to your local city hall or county seat and pay those taxes in cash so that you can see the money, leave your account and understand, <laughs> and understand that's, that's what this is. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. I, I get so mad when I think of all the people who are not paying taxes and I'm paying for them, I, it drives me absolutely crazy. It makes me want to hit stuff, if I'm honest. Like, I can feel my blood pressure rising right now. So, so man, are, are you one of those, like, level tax 
advocates where yeah. if you just said it would essentially be like a, a federal yep. level tax. Yep. For everyone pays the same percentage no yep. matter what your income is. Okay. Yes. Okay. I'm just I'm it sounded like that. I just wanted to confirm. It. And I know people say it makes no economic sense and, and my answer is nonsensical and irrational. I don't care. <laughs> I love it. I don't. I, I, I don't think anybody should be paying. I don't. Here's what I believe. I believe this. And we'll get off. We'll get off of my belief system, and we'll get into what people should. Be no, I think it's taxes. good to talk about what you believe too, because you know, you, there's probably a lot of people that res- that it resonates with. So it's one of my frustrations with with. Uh, and we have the power to talk about whatever we want. To yeah. On this show, yeah. So. so here's here's my. Th- I'm, I'm a history guy. I love history. Specifically, I, I find American history absolutely fascinating. Um, if it's my opinion, and we'll never be able to confirm this because these people are dead, and, and to my knowledge, we do not have an ability to communicate with the dead in real time. Um, if you can come up with that, we can cancel this podcast right now and go get rich. Go make billions. Yeah. Um, I'll, work, I'll be working on it in my nights. My opinion is if you were to talk to Alexander Hamilton and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and uh, John Adams and uh, James Monroe and 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 uh, Benjamin Franklin and, and, and basically the founding fathers of our country, if you were to talk to them about where we are and, and the prices that are uh, the, the taxes that are paid today, it is my opinion, and I could be wrong, that they would say, well, then what was all the bloodshed for? What, what were we? I don't think that they revolted against the king and against England so that we could pay massive taxes. I, I think they did it so that there would be freedom and uh, independence and people would have the ability to uh, to flourish on their own. Um, it's just my opinion. I don't I don't I think some of the some of the tax brackets are too high. Like I, I, I've, I've never been and I'm not I'm not. A, a multimillionaire. I'm not a millionaire. I, I don't. I don't. I, but I, I. I don't have a problem with people who are. I. I, I don't. I don't begrudge them for their money. Um, I, I love capitalism. I. I, I do too. I mean, I, I, if anything, I look at them and I think, okay, how did they get that? What could I do to emulate that as as closely as possible? I yep. certainly hope my children become richer than me, and I hope their children become richer than them. I mean, I hope it. I hope they. Yeah, I think that's the American dream. Yeah, that's the that's the dream, and so. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the way when I hear candidates, not to make this political, when I hear candidates, uh, vilifying the, uh, the, the top one or 2%, I get angry. We, we should not vilify them. We should, we should look at how they did it because, yeah. because for the most part, and I know there are people that are born into wealth who are obnoxious turds. I get it. <laughs> But there are and there are, and there are un, not wealthy people that are obnoxious turds as well. Yes, but there are also people who created their own riches and give back in ways that uh, that that are commendable and have created jobs and have created opportunity for other people and and we should not vilify those people. So I I'm I am for yes I mean I'm. I would be for some form of a flat tax or a tax rate where everybody paid the same percent. And so if it's 18% or if it's whatever percent, yep, you pay that if you make $100 and you pay that if you make $100 million. And, and no deductions. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, or that would make, or only that, or only deductions. That, that would make things super easy, right? Or, yeah, or only deductions that made perfect sense to 
across the board? Yeah, I think, man, <clears throat> if you look at the tax code, too, and um, and I think this is why CPAs are, are so crucial for, you know, anyone that has a, a small business or, or you know, even, even most ordinary folks, um, because the tax code, it, if you look at how thick the tax code is, it's, it's quite insane. And then the adjustments that happen every year, I mean, it takes a dedicated professional to understand the changes. What does that mean? You know, how do we incorporate that into a strategy with the everyday person? And I mean, you know, you just look at what Trump did with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, you know, um, two years ago and uh, for, well, for, for 2018 taxes, really. Uh, and, you know, it was he really made the U.S. kind of competitive with the rest of the world uh, from a corporate tax rate. But then there were things that happened that folks who didn't have a CPA um, or, or a tax professional kind of helping them plan and, um, you know, and strategize, there were some things that were some deductions that were taken away, uh, you know, in the in that the passing of that tax cut that really caused uh, one a surprise if you didn't have a tax professional, and then two um, some heartache when you had to write that check. And I know for me, uh, you know, that happened uh, for I travel a lot, or I, I was traveling a lot with Pinnacle. I'm traveling less now on the road in my own vehicle, um, but I was traveling a lot. I mean, to the tune of about you know right around thirty thousand miles. Um, you know, each year on my vehicle. And I used to be able to write that expense off on my taxes as a business expense. And, and so I have this app on my phone that tracks every single drive that I make. And then I have to select whether it's a, you know, a personal, personal mileage or business mileage. And it's phenomenal. It's called mileage IQ. And so, you know, that's what I've been using for the last five years <clears throat> to keep track of my miles. And, um, you know, and I lost that deduction. I mean, and so you think about 30,000 miles at, you know, 56 cents a mile or 59 cents a mile, depending on the tax year. I mean, you're talking about real money. That's a, that's a $20,000 deduction that <laughs> vanished, went bye-bye. So $20,000 deduction, meaning that I paid an extra, you know, $6,000 in <laughs> <laughs> federal taxes um, for losing that deduction, and and if you didn't have a uh, someone to help you with it, man, I mean, it was way too late. In eight, if you're filing in April, you know you can't oh, go yeah. back and no. and the adjustments, and um, you know, and it's tough too. And then you know, if you have a small business, I'll talk a little bit about mine too, because Pinnacle. I mean, of course, Pinnacle is my primary job and income, but I also, you know, I coached competitive soccer, um, for many years. And then, you know, now I'm helping run tournaments and then also, uh, refereeing, you know, competitive youth soccer, high school soccer. Uh, and so I generate, you know, income from that and I get, you know, I don't get a W2, it's all 1099 income. So I have to make sure that I, I do a real good job of tracking, you know, what is expenses, you know, with the soccer related stuff, what is expenses that are, you know, my personal stuff and not kind of, um, blending the two together. I'll end up in, you know, I'll end up in, in some pretty big trouble, uh, down the road. But yeah, I mean, and man, if you don't have, um, 
and this time of year too, it's kind of it's good to talk about taxes this time of year because everyone, you're right. The 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 party's over. You know, the, everyone's kind of got the hangover from Christmas, and then now it's like okay, we dive into to tax season. And um, you know, if people don't have CPAs, it's kind of like it's kind of too late to plan for last year strategy wise. But now's a good time to go ahead and you know, if you've got a CPA that you don't like or is not taking care of your needs, you know find someone that can work with you because that can be a that can be a huge detriment to you as well if you know you're working with a CPA or a professional and they don't take care of you or they don't give you the love or the attention you need you know dude that can cause some some significant harm financially um, you know to you as well so dude it's I think it, it makes a, a whole lot of sense to get get someone that you can work with and job with oh yeah I mean I can't I, I'm not going to delve into all of it, but I, I I would be in a world of hurt without the accounting people that I use now, and, and specifically yeah. my my accountant that works with me on a uh, at this point more like a weekly basis. At one point, it was practically a daily basis as I tried to <laughs> climb out from under something. Uh, yeah, but yeah, if so, for the people who don't know what what the the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, the the yeah. primary what 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 did it primarily do? So it actually did. It, it did a lot of things. It did, it did a lot of good things for majority of America as well. So like the average American saw their standard deduction double. So it used to be that, you know, um, when and people may not be familiar with the term, so I'll, I'll go somewhat elementary. And it probably is a good idea to have. I've got a couple of buddies that are CPAs it might be a good idea. To, and they're, they've got a lot of personality to, to bring them in and really talk about the details too. But, um, so the standard deduction used to be, you know, right around $12,000 was you automatically got to deduct $12,000 from your income, no matter what. And, or you could itemize. So if you had, you know, medical expenses, charitable donations, um, you know, expenses for, uh, you know, a business at the time that you could write off or work related expenses. If those all added up, you know, and were greater. And then also, you know, it used to be um, interest from your mortgage that you could itemize. And then there was, uh, you know, taxes that you paid to state um, or for property, you could itemize those as well. Well, they capped it this year. You have, to, you can only write off up to 10,000 of property and, you know, state taxes and whatnot. So what ended up happening was they doubled the standard deduction from 12 to 24,000. So most people, that was a huge benefit because there most people don't itemize anyway. And so they got to, they got to double the amount of deduction that they get to write off, which is huge. You know, that's huge for sure. the average American meaning that they paid less taxes. Um, you know, for folks like me and, you know, and Neil, you may be in this, in this situation. And a lot of our listeners are, I had, um, you know, my itemized deductions were, were more than, the standard deduction. Well, I lost one of my biggest itemized deductions, which was writing off mileage um, for using my personal vehicle for business. And, uh, and so, man, that really, you know, I plan, I did all of my cash flow planning based on, you know, I kind of have an idea of, of what uh, I, I pay in taxes and, uh, and, and I lost it. And so, you know, I had to go back to the drawing board, which meant that, you know, of course I ended up paying more in taxes. Um, so yeah, that's the that was really the biggest thing in the in what the Trump the quote unquote Trump tax cuts. <clears throat> and then, you know, they took the corporate tax rate 
down to 21%, which was, it was like 35. Uh, it's just competitive with the rest of the world. So you saw a lot of businesses that were U.S. businesses move operations from Europe back to the U.S., which gave, you know, the U.S. A, a, you know, an ultimately a larger corporate tax base too. So it was good. I mean, all in all, it was good. And that's why markets have roared, you know, in the last several years is there's been a lot of stimulation um, from Trump uh, with the tax cut or with uh, his tax reform. And then, you know, the, the Fed piece has been another big, a big contributor to that. My 401k, uh, this is not a political statement. My 401k, un, uh, without without question, unabashedly loves Donald Trump. Yep. I think most America's 401k absolutely loves Donald Trump. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll, and I think we're going to have Reed on next week, and we'll talk, and we can, we'll dive into what did markets do last year, um, and then what did that mean for the everyday person. But you're right. I mean. Oh, I'll look forward no, to that, because that's it's no fascinating to me. It, dude, and no one. If you had a negative return in your 401k last year, you need to... You need to fire your broker. Yes. you. Thank you for saying that. You need to fire your broker. I was trying to say that really politely. I don't want to be polite. If, if, if <laughs> you didn't, Whoever if, is taking care of you needs to be fired. And if you're taking care of you, you need to fire yourself and get a professional. Go get a broker. If, go get... Yeah, get someone that go can to, help you. Go to Pinnacle Trust or somewhere. Could, yeah. I mean, and we would love to help folks yeah. out. But it's, you know, it is even like so... Stocks were up, bonds were up single digits, you know, some of them in double digits, and and cash was positive. I mean, everything was positive. Nothing, there was nothing that had a loss last year. So if you had losses in your portfolio, someone was grossly failed (laughs) at managing your assets. And that someone may be the dude you look in the mirror or the female you look in the mirror at every morning. So, uh, you know, and that's the funny thing with our business is, um, you know, when markets are going up, everybody wants to do it on their own, right? They're like, I'm not going to pay, you know, Martin's firm uh, 1% to manage my money when I can, I can do it myself for nothing. And you know what? They're correct in when markets are going up. When everything is going up and it's easy, anyone can do it, right? But it's when things start decoupling and go awry, I mean, and honestly, that's, it sounds crazy. That's where we earn our money. That's where we earn our value is when, when things go crazy and people are wanting to jump off the ledge and we talk them off the ledge or, you know, uh, they're about to retire and they don't know what to do. They don't know what the appropriate mix is. That's, that's where we're going to earn our money. It's going to be, you know, the bad parts of the life of your life, not the easy parts. The easy parts is anyone could do it. A monkey could do it. Well, and when the, when the market goes down, that's when the smart people make their money. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's and really that's when we it's hard for us though our style of investing the way that the, that we invest um we when markets are going up we're just trying to keep pace with the markets. Um we're not trying to outperform. It's it's really difficult to outperform in a rising market when you look at expenses and everything else. But it's when things go absolutely insane like december of last year the markets <clears throat> were down 20 percent. our clients were not down anywhere near 20 percent uh even our clients that were in our most aggressive portfolios just because of the way that we position so you really got to look at us if we're talking football or baseball you got to look at the body of work over the entire game not just you know when you're up 17-0 
and everything looks easy. You know, you got to, it's, we really are going to, we're really going to earn our, earn our value when things go awry and they go backwards. So it's going to be digging out of a two foot hole and digging out of a 10 foot hole. Right. Um, Yes, we're going to get to another couple of topics in a second. First, I want to tell you that this podcast is also brought to you by the Refrigeration Company, TRC, owned and operated by Jeremy Watler. He's been in the refrigeration field for more than 20 years, including five as a national service manager at TRC. They understand that great service means being responsive. Their highly trained, responsible, and dedicated staff are available 24-7 to ensure your complete satisfaction. They specialize in ammonia refrigeration, but they work on any other HFC, HCFC, or CO2 systems. TRC is building winning relationships with customers in baking, cold storage warehouses, ice production facilities, and facilities serving dairy, food, poultry, and catfish processing. TRC is based in Spanish Fort, Alabama, but they're licensed in Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Tennessee, and South Carolina as well. It can handle all of your company's refrigeration needs, including installation, fabrication, service, compressor rebuilds, ammonia detection, calibration, vibration, analysis, and more. To learn more, Call Jeremy Wattler at 251-348-8533 or email him at jeremy at com. You can follow The Refridge Co. at The Refrigeration Company on Facebook or at their website, therefridgeco.com. We're also brought to you by Elite Dental Care with offices throughout West Tennessee. In Germantown, Jackson, and Trenton, Elite Dental Care has five doctors with more than 75 years of combined experience. And with their different areas of expertise, the doctors at Elite Dental Care offer convenience along with the latest in technology. In addition, Elite Dental Care is a family practice, so the entire family can be seen no matter age or severity of problems. Elite Dental Care focuses on staying up to date on all the latest technology, including intraoral cameras, digital x-rays and impressions, 3D x-rays, and more. There are TVs and radios in every room, giving patients the comforts of home, all while they receive the most modern technological treatment. They uh, offer both conscious sedation and IV sedation for patients that are anxious or scared or for those that might not be fearful but just have a lot of work to do and can't afford to take time off work for multiple visits. And with sedation, Elite Dental Care is able to get much more work done in one visit, which ultimately saves the patient time and money. So if you're looking for a dentist in West Tennessee or the Memphis area, call Dr. Mark Harper, Dr. Clint Buchanan, and Dr. Mike Farah at Elite Dental Care. To reach the doctors at Elite Dental Care, go to EliteDentalCare.com or follow them on Facebook and or Instagram. And uh, last but not least, we're brought to you by Lentz & Little. Lentz & Little is a veteran-owned Mississippi firm that serves the entire state for business advice and commercial litigation from Oxport, Oxford, not Oxport, Oxford to <laughs> Gulfport and everywhere in between. Whether you're having trouble paying your debts or someone isn't paying you what you're owed, Lentz & Little can quickly advise you on your best course of action. They've got more than 60 years of collective experience representing banks, businesses, and individuals in defaulted loan workouts, uh, collections, repossessions, foreclosures, and bankruptcies. They offer creative solutions to financial problems. They have the versatility you need regardless of whether you need help with general business advice, issues with payment of taxes, or representation in state, federal, or bankruptcy court. Lentz and Little can help you arrange your finances and assets, limit your exposure, and protect you and your family should financial disaster strike. So if you're in need of assistance or with your uh, financial situation, call Jarrett Little at 228-867-6050 or visit their website, LentzLittle.com, or email Jarrett, J-A-R-E-T-T, at Lentz, L-E-N-T-Z, Little.com. 
Your initial consultation by phone or in person is free of charge. Uh, all right. So uh, tell me about the SECURE Act. What's the latest on that? Sure. <clears throat> and that's kind of, it's probably something that most of our listeners, this is the first time they've, you know, heard that term. And it kind of, it got snuck in a budget bill <clears throat> that passed, you know, in year end. Uh, and it was something that was on topic um, a couple years back when uh, they were talking about creating the fiduciary standard for every investment advisor, which I thought was phenomenal. I, I, I kind of hoped, I wished it would have passed, but I knew that the lobby for, um, you know, the old school brokers was going to be too big for it to pass. Like we've been operating at the fiduciary uh, level for the entire life of Pinnacle. And it just means that I'm, I am, uh, I have a legal obligation to our, to our clients to, take care of their interests first. And if we don't, um, they have financial recourse against us if we you know, are grossly negligent with their money. But anyway, I said all that to say the SECURE Act was really, it, it really um, impacts um, current retirees or folks about to retire. Uh, and then also it creates a couple of opportunities for small businesses with, you know, with their retirement plans, meaning they can have access to the type of, of retirement plans like 401ks um, that the bigger firms have. And I, 401ks, and we can we could dive deep into this on another episode, um, can be very expensive and burdensome to, to run. And I, I don't think that most folks who participate in a 401k realize that, you know, because they don't see everything that has to happen. Uh, it's usually their HR person or, you know, the, the owner of the firm that's having to deal with, with everything. And there's a lot that, that goes on. So it's, it can be a very expensive plan. So one of the things that ended up happening in the secure act was, um, they, the, the government passed, uh, the bill to allow, um, what's called multiple employer plans for small business. So it's like groups of groups of, uh, of businesses can pull together, and create a 401k and share the expense among, you know, multiple people or multiple firms versus just, you know, one firm. And it's really, that's, that helps smaller companies. Um, but the two big things that happened, um, there is, we'll talk about the required minimum distribution age, which, you know, folks who are not close to retirement, probably may have never heard that term before. But so when you save money in either an IRA, not a Roth, just a regular IRA, or a 401k that's a traditional 401k, you know, while your money is invested and growing, you don't pay taxes on the income, the growth, nothing. You don't pay any taxes on that. And so Uncle Sam never does something for you that doesn't benefit him, right? So what happens is, you know, they've dressed this pig up and put lipstick on it. And it really is a good pig. I'm not trying to say that it's that it's not. But they've dressed this pig up saying, hey, you get to make contributions to your 401k or to your IRA. And you get a tax benefit now, today. Meaning that you don't pay taxes on the money that goes in. <clears throat> you don't pay taxes while it's growing either. <coughs> Sorry, I had to call. You muted me. <clears throat> no, that's okay. So, happens is that money gets to grow tax-free all the way up into the point of when you retire and they can't <clears throat> no one can force you to take the money out because it creates a taxable event but the IRS says hey at age 
or they used to say, hey, at age 70 and a half, if you're not taking money from your retirement plan, you have to start taking money from your retirement plan. And the only reason that they make you do it is so that they can tax it and earn the tax money. So it's really a brilliant strategy. If I was the IRS, I would have done it too. Or, or to, let's put it in easy to, to no terms. So like, let's say that um, I came to you and I said, hey, Neil, um, I'm going to give you uh, $20 right now. And you can either pay me you know, $25 back tomorrow or you're going to pay me $2,500 in 10 years. If I'm, if I'm the person that's going to be getting the money back, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to forego the $25 tomorrow and I'm going to take the $2,500 in 10 years because that's a lot more money. For sure. Well, since all the IRS has done, so they forego taxing you on money while <clears throat> taxing you on this money while you're working. And let's say someone contributes, you know, $200,000 to their 401k, them and their employer, you know, over the course of their working years. Okay. But at age 70 and a half, that 401k is worth $500,000, right? Right. So the IRS <clears throat> did not tax you on the $200,000 so they can tax you on the 500. That's brilliant. And they had the market help them do that, help them grow what they're going to be able to tax you on. So the reason they make you start taking it at 70 and a half is because they haven't gotten their tax money. Well, what changed with the um, SECURE Act is they said, well, now, you know, uh, <clears throat> now we're going to kick that number back from if you not starting at 70 and a half. So if you turn 70 and a half in, in 2019, you still have to take your required minimum distribution at 70 and a half and then every year thereafter. But if you turn 70 and a half this year or later, now you can wait to age 72 to start taking the required minimum distribution. So they gave you an extra year and a half of, you know, not having to take it. Well, so what that does to create taxable income. So when you pull money out of your IRA, you know, you have to pay ordinary income taxes on it, just like, you know, if it was income that you earned from a job. Well, what that does to a lot of folks who are in retirement um, is, you know, if they're getting Social Security, Social Security is not taxable until you have an income level above a certain amount. Well, what happens a lot of times, once you start having to take that required distribution out. Now the Social Security is taxed. Now your Social Security becomes taxable. Which so is it's kind crap. of like the, <laughs> Taxation is theft. Um, I said it. But, yeah, I mean, it is, it is kind of crap. Back but, to the beginning, um, George Washington would say, uh-uh. <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, dude, that's... That, that's the probably that one and the next, this next one I'm going to talk about are the biggest changes. Um, so still on the IRA thing. So let's just say I'm, let's just use the fake Neil for example here. So let's say that Neil's you know Neil's dad had an IRA from his you know he, he had a 401k at work and then he retired and he rolled it into an IRA and then it was you know a million dollars and. And then Neil's dad dies, and Neil is the beneficiary. Not Neil's mom. Let's just say Neil's mom's already dead for just for purposes because it's going down to the next generation. Neil's dad dies, and Neil inherits a, a million-dollar IRA. The way that it used to work was, you know, once you inherited that IRA, you had to start taking withdrawals out of it each year, just like, you know, that 70-and-a-half piece. But you take the withdrawals over your entire lifetime. So, you know, maybe in year one on a million dollars, maybe you have to take out 10,000 bucks. And so you have $10,000 
of ordinary income taxes that are due on Neil's uh, taxes. Not Neil's dad, but Neil's taxes. So the change that they made is now they've said, you know, we're no longer going to allow you to stretch that IRA distribution out over your entire life as a kid inheriting it. Now you have to do it within 10 years. So think about that, Neil. So if you were making, let's just say you were making 50,000 bucks, right? Okay. And then you inherit your dad's million dollar IRA. It's just simple math. And you have to take that out over a 10 year period of time. That means so $100,000 $100, a year. A year. That's correct. You're taking out $100,000 a year. So you're used to paying taxes on your $50,000 uh, of income at, you know, let's just say the tax rate there is, you know, 15% because I don't know exactly what the tax rate is. Okay. Well, now your tax rate, you're in the $150,000 bracket. So maybe that's 28%. So your little $50,000 of income that used to be taxed at 15 is now taxed at 28 because they're forcing you to take the 100000 a year out. It's crap. So those are the big it pisses me off. It really does. It makes me so angry. It's it's utter crap. It really is. It's crap. It's it, here's what it, I'm, I'm get on my soapbox for just a minute. Then I'm gonna get off. This is where I get so pissed off that we don't teach this in schools so that people should learn this and they should fight back against these morons in Congress who pass some of this stuff. Yeah, and you know, and it's also I get I get so tired of of of. We have all these. I don't know. I, sh I should shut up. I'm. 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 No, it's it, all right, it man. It makes me. You can, it makes you me really here. angry. Well, the well, the good thing is, is this is job security for people like me, right? It is. It is because what happens is, is you know, there's ways that you can we can strategize on how to distribute a retirement plan assets. Yes. Um. Instead of so, like, if let's just say hypothetically, let's use your dad example again. Okay. Let's just say. Your dad had a million dollar IRA and he had, you know, $500,000 in money that was outside of an IRA, you know, in the CDs or regular investment accounts that were not retirement plan accounts. And your dad's real benevolent. And let's say he's like, man, I really want to give to my church and I want to give to the animal rescue group and I want to give to my alma mater. So. And he's so your dad might think he loves whoever, him some ULM too. I mean, he's a big ULM football. He wants so he can't wait to you, see them the Renaissance on to, the Bayou. He wants to put a turf field in it, you know, whatever the case is. So, what might happen if he doesn't have an advisor or you don't have an advisor? A gold is turf field. Something happens to him, and in your dad's will, it says, you know, I want to give $250,000 to ULM. Well, you've got the cash that's 500,000 bucks over here. Right. And so you just, you do take, you do you, you do your dad's, uh, or you, uh, honor his will and you write a check for 250,000 bucks to ULM right out of the cash. Yep. Well, what you should have done was we should have made one of the beneficiaries or a portion of the IRA, a beneficiary ULM, a beneficiary of the portion of the IRA. So the money that you were going to get smoked on taxes, is going to go to the university and and it'll go out without having taxes you know hit you hit the taxes oh my gosh i can't talk that you hit with the taxes so you could have kept the 500,000 bucks and not written the $250,000 check out of the cash account cuz you're not going to pay the taxes on the cash account you're only going to pay taxes on the retirement account gotcha. so there's all kinds of strategies that we can you know help folks yeah it's why it's why it's why when people say well i don't i don't need help you might not but the time might come when you do 
Yeah, you know, and well, and someone might say, "Oh, I'm just going to buy the in the S and P 500 index. I don't need a an advisor to help me do that." You're you're correct. You don't. You can go on Schwab and open up an account, and you can buy the S and P 500 index. But your internet account, your internet trading account at Schwab, is not going to help you figure out how to most tax efficiently distribute you know, money uh, at your death or at your parents' death and, and just plan so that you get to keep more of what you have versus, you know, unnecessarily paying it to the government. Right. That's where we make our money. Yep. All right. Last thing, there's been a lot of talk in the news about uh, Iran over the last, co- I guess, course of the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah. What should yeah, people, a lot going on there. What should people know about how, if at all, that is impacting the markets right now? You know, it's... um. The, the old saying is war is good for the economy, right? Um, and I don't know that that's necessarily true for markets. Uh, you know, anytime there's any type of uncertainty or disruption, you know, in the peace or in how things are going, the markets can get pretty volatile. And, and, and markets did react, um, you know, when there was the, the strike, uh, you know, that killed Soleimani. Uh, you know, markets went down. Um, and then, you know, we kind of got a little bit more information. We got a little bit more news. Um, you know, it looks like, you know, Trump extended the, uh, the quote unquote olive branch, uh, out to them. I know that there was a strike on our bases that we didn't have any casualties or anything like that. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if that was a calculated miss just, uh, saying, Hey, we can, but we're not going to. You know, and so it kind of, it, it feels like, I mean, the Middle East is a powder keg already, but it feels like, you know, things have, have kind of, you know, at least in the, at the time settled and the market did get a little bit skittish and we can really dive into this a lot when, uh, when I have a read on as well, the market did get a little bit skittish, um, you know, around that time and kind of freaked out a little bit, but it looks, it kind of looks like we are, uh, you know, back onto a cruise control pace and I mean, I really think that, you know, barring full-on war or some type of, you know, nuclear um, fallout, we're going to keep. Well, I think we'll end up with positive returns this year. Uh, I don't, I don't have expectations of, you know, like last year of, you know, double-digit returns. I think we'll end up with, you know, high positive returns, and we'll we can dive deep into the details of that with Reed. Uh, but you know, it was an opportunity f- to derail the markets uh, because that would have. You know, in, in most cases, war does derail the markets, if it's even if it's just temporarily. Uh, and it did. It did for a few days, and then we kind of, you know, started, you know, truck, chugging on again. But, man, I think, um, you know, one thing, whether you like our president or you don't like our president, uh, he, does, he does not play the political games. He just does what he says he's going to do, and he, you know, and he – and and whether you like that or not, I think that that's one of the reasons that, you know, and I know his foreign policy, quote unquote, is awful compared to former politicians. But I think his foreign policy is that, hey, if I tell you I'm going to punch you, you you better expect I'm going to punch you. And I might punch you twice. Uh, so, you know, he doesn't let any of that crap kind of bully him around and bully us around. And I think that that's good for America as well. Um, but, you know, as far as the markets go. Uh, we, we, you know, it, it was kind of a shrug off event. I got a little bit nervous. I kind of puckered a little bit when, you know, when we, 
when uh, the strike happened against, you know, that where we took Soleimani out, I was like, oh, crap, is this going to, you know, is this the explosion that's going to drop the markets, you know, 20, 30%? And so far, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, we're we're positioned relatively conservatively as it is. But, um, but man, it's kind of, not to say it's been a non-event, because that just sounds so demeaning to life, but it's really been a non-event you know, in the markets. Yeah. I, I, I have a theory and it's, uh, we'll, we're, we're going to find out in November, <laughs> man. If I was a gambling man, which I am, as long as we're not putting money on it. Um, <clears throat> if I was a gambling man, I would bet that Trump is reelected, um, you know, in, in the fall. I just, you know, as long as it's it's his to lose, I guess I'll say that. And as long as he doesn't do anything that's ridiculously stupid, um, I just don't see how he doesn't win. I think as long as the market stays strong and people have money and there are jobs, I'm with you. I, I it's my theory. I think it's going to drive some of the national media absolutely insane. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to make this a political comment. I just I think there are a lot of people who catch themselves saying. You know, I'm not crazy about the deal with Ukraine. I don't completely understand it. I, I know it's probably not good. Um, I'm not crazy about some of the different things that happen and different things. I don't really like his Twitter account. And sometimes I wish he'd shut up. But, man, my 401K grew 15%. My 401K grew 20%. Uh, people have jobs. There's expendable income. People are spending money. I'm... I'm uh, I'm not. I'm not. I don't care about Ukraine enough to rock that boat. That's my theory. Is that is that your your unspoken the the unrepresented American in the polls? That's how he or she feels. Yeah, you know, and and man, I think that's all going to really start playing out. Um, you know, as we hit, um, you know, as we hit this stride of of uh, you know of the political season, which I mean, man, it's upon us. I mean. You know, we'll be in Iowa and New Hampshire um, soon enough, and then, and then you know, it's on to the general. And and man, I just don't know. I don't know that there's a strong enough candidate on the Democratic platform that is going to be able to unseat him. Um, it would take yeah. it would take a massive, massive economic destruction in the next six months. And dude. I just don't see it. I don't see the fractures in the economy. I don't see the recession in the next 12 to even 24 months. Um, I just, I'm just not seeing it. And, and I'm, dude, I may be totally wrong and it may come out. I may get a haymaker that I'm not even seeing, but dude, that's what it's going to have to be. It's going to have to be a haymaker from the blind side that no one saw coming. Because if you're looking at the economics it's just not there. The The stress is not there for us to say that this thing's going to go flushing down the toilet. And I think that means Trump wins. I think I agree. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about it next week. We'll talk more about it as the, uh, as the campaigns get, uh, get going, as you mentioned, Iowa, New Hampshire, and all that stuff right around the corner. And before you get right around, around the corner, it'll be, uh, it'll be a major topic of conversation. <laughs> that does it for today's edition of Mind on My Money podcast. Uh, a reminder, you can get in touch with Martin and the people at Pinnacle Trust at pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N trust.com. Mention that you heard about Pinnacle Trust on uh, this podcast or on any of the MPW Digital podcast, and you'll get 10% off your first year's fee. So until next yep. week, thanks to Martin Palomo for his time, and uh, thanks to you all for listening. We'll be back in touch with you.
uh, with another edition of Mind on My Money podcast next week. Until then, take care. Hey, no, can I say one more thing? Yeah, sure. Uh, totally forgot. Um, some folks had reached out to us about um, when Tiffany Bobs was on and did the wine uh the wine podcast. Yeah. Some folks had kind of asked about, uh, could we get, you know, essentially a cheat sheet of some of the wine pairings with foods or ways to cook. And she's creating a cheat sheet for us. So if anyone wants, um, a copy of that, we can get them a PDF. Uh, we're going to get it all made up pretty. And people can, if they'll email info, I N F O at P I N N trust.com and just put, you know, wine cheat sheet or Bob's cheat sheet. We'll, we'll get them an email copy. Super. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Martin. Thanks, man. Talk to you next week. Later, bud.